0: My ex-husband refuses to pay child support and lies about being poor, so I'm making sure he stays broke. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. My ex left me for someone else when my kids were young. 5 year old boy and two year old boy. He paid child support until he was medically released from the military in late 2011. Since then, he hasn't paid a penny. Anytime I've requested help, like $10 for school supplies, he tells me he has no money. He's always begged me not to file through the state and apologized for not paying. Of course, he always promises that he'll start paying at some point. He gets about $2k a month from the VA, but his work history has been spotty, at best. His parents have helped with his bills. He's actually had a good job for the last two years now, but still can't help. I've given him all required visitation plus extra. I want my kids to be able to have a relationship with their dad. Recently, he had words with my husband, and my ex said that he doesn't owe anything, morally or legally. He said I should file through the state so they can tell me to my face he doesn't owe. His words. I talked to my kids, now 19 and 16, and got their go-ahead and filed. The state will be pursuing about 70K in back support plus current support for the 16-year-old. I know it's a lot of money, and between him and his current significant other, they have quite a few kids living with them. This will put a huge financial strain on them. So, am I the jerk? You're not a jerk for asking for what you're owed. He's the one who screwed off from the relationship because things got a little tough and he wanted to go have more fun. He needs to understand that he had responsibilities to those kids, and you've been letting him go pretty easily. Besides, he asked you to do it. You can submit your own stories to be featured here on the channel. The story submission link is in the description below, and don't forget to subscribe male karen seems to think that i work here despite the fact that i have a baby with me there's a small thrift store for jesus type store no more than two blocks away from my house and i spend a fair amount of time there it's cheap it's close and babies grow like weeds I know a couple of ladies that work there. You try taking a baby to a store staffed by mostly grandmas on a regular basis and not get to know them. And I got to know the layout of the store as well. Fast forward to today. I go to the store, say hello to grandma lady on the cash, exchange mindless chit chat, blah blah blah. There's only like three other people in the store. An old guy and what looks like a middle-aged daughter with her elderly mother. Pretty typical. I start shopping and hanging clothes off the stroller bar. Very clearly shopping. Babe leans out of the stroller and pulls some shirts off the rack. So of course I go to put them back on hangers and hang them on the bar and continue shopping. I go over to the toy section and there's the mother and daughter team trying to get a board game off a high shelf. Since I'm much taller than them, I offer to grab it for them, and they accept. I hand it over, and they thank me. Pretty run-of-the-mill for me. It's rare I go to a store and not help a short person reach something. I make my way over to the housewares section, and this is where Old Guy makes his entrance. He walks up to me holding a blender-type thing. Do you guys check to make sure these things work before you sell them? Um, don't know, but they have a plug near the cache to test things and I take my stroller and try to walk away. How do you not know your own policy? I should point out that the employees dress however they like, but wear a bright red vest with the shop's name all over it. I'm wearing a coat and pushing a stroller. I'm sorry, sir, I don't work here. Old guy, now very aggressive and a weird purple-red color, cuts me off. Bullcrap! I just saw you stocking the shelves and making a sale. Don't you lie to me! I'm sorry, I was just picking up after my baby. I make a gesture to the stroller I'm pushing that has my purchases on it, and I was helping those ladies before. Oh! Oh, I see. You'll help them, but you won't help me, eh? Is it because I'm a man? Get me your manager! By now, of course, Grandma Lady has noticed what was happening and came walking over. Sir, we don't allow people to abuse our customers like this. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave if you don't stop. She's not a customer, she's an employee. I saw her. Sir, she doesn't work here. Bull crap! I don't work here, and neither does my son. It's like he hadn't noticed the baby before despite the giant stroller I've been holding onto this whole time. Because he looks down, and his face got even more purple and red. And he grumbled, bullcrap, and walked away. I finished my shopping, checked out, and had a nice giggle about the whole ordeal with Grandma Lady. We've had this conversation before, guys. Use your eyes. Take in your surroundings, and make a logical conclusion about the situation. Yeah, she was helping someone yeah she put some stuff back on a shelf but she has a baby with her she's probably not working they were just helping someone get something from the top shelf and cleaning up after the mess their kid had made you know like any decent person might do I'm sure if they had the information to be able to help you, they would have helped you too. But guess what? They don't actually work there. And no one's going to say they don't work there just because they don't want to help you. What? They're just going to pick you out of a crowd and say, yeah, everyone else, but not him. A great teacher tries to give their best students a little something special. Of course, Karen has to ruin it. This isn't my story, but it happened to some high school classmates of mine in the late 90s. Unfortunately, I wasn't smart enough to be a part of it. The AP calculus teacher had a tradition that held up for at least a decade, where if you brought your college acceptance letter, you'd be invited to his breakfast club. Essentially, instead of taking the final math exam for the year, he'd provide transportation to the local IHOP, buy everyone breakfast, and just shoot the breeze together. The gesture was a popular and welcome one. After all, these were the brightest kids in the school, the top 10%, including the valedictorian, the captain of the debate team and others. Taking a final exam when they were already assured their places in Ivy League schools was a pointless formality after all. The year this story happened, however, there was a new teacher who made a big deal about how unfair the Breakfast Club was. Funnily enough, her name was Karen. The school's vice principal came in and told the class that they would stay in school with everyone else and take the final exam, or else they'd face in-school suspension. The AP calculus teacher had his hands tied. So, on the day of the test, a Friday, the whole class came in and took their test, which consisted of a single question. What's your name? The students looked up to a devious grin on the teacher's face, and they quickly caught on. Everyone filled in their papers, submitted them, and then they went off to IHOP. Perfect test scores for everyone. By the time the weekend was over, the whole school knew the story, and Karen must have complained to the vice principal once more, because he came and gave in-school suspension tickets for the entire class. It was truly an odd sight to see the school's geniuses file into the ISS room, only to find their AP calculus teacher who had volunteered for monitor duties or swapped with a normal monitor or something. He'd brought bagels, cream cheese, white fish spread, and butter for everyone serving suspension that day. Mr. Buckley, you're a legend. Karen, stop being a jerk. Who cares what they do if they've already gotten into the school they want to go to? They've worked really hard for the last four years to get to where they are. Let them have one day, Karen. It's a reward for those kids doing really well and working hard. Just because other kids aren't able to perform at the same level as these ones that are being rewarded, doesn't mean that they shouldn't be rewarded. It's kind of like a participation trophy. If you're just giving it to everyone, you're taking away from the significance of it. And on the other side, if no one gets it at all, then you're taking it away from the kids who have actually earned it. You're taking away the lesson that if you work hard in life, that you'll be rewarded. I think that's a more valuable lesson than some math exam that doesn't matter anyway. I left my jerk boyfriend stranded at a party after he made a joke at my expense completely embarrassing me. I, 19-year-old female, have been with my boyfriend, 25-year-old male, for about six months. We don't live together, but I spend a lot of my time at his place. A week ago or so, I was feeling quite sick. Not wanting to drive home, I spent the night at his place. He woke me up at about 5 a.m., and to my great embarrassment, I had wet the bed. I helped him clean up the best I could. I had a temperature of about 103.8 degrees Fahrenheit and he took me to the hospital and they kept me overnight. A few days later, when I saw him again, I apologized for what happened. He told me it's alright and that he got me a gift. He pulled out a package of adult diapers and threw them at me. I told him that I didn't think it was very funny, and explained that I was embarrassed, but he thought it was hilarious. I decided to let it go and talk about it later. We went to a party that night. Not really a party, just us and six other friends. It was about an hour away. I drove since he doesn't have a car. After he had a few beers, he started loudly telling them what had happened, forgetting to mention that I was sick and had a high fever. Just telling the part of me wetting the bed and him buying the diapers. He encouraged my friends to joke about it, and after trying to explain but being talked over or laughed at, I left and went home. My boyfriend is obviously quite upset I left without him. I just didn't want to be stuck in a car with him for over an hour. He sent me several texts since then, most of which are calling me too sensitive and not able to take a joke. Some of my friends agree with him. Am I the jerk? Sounds like your boyfriend is rather immature. It's obviously something that you had no control over, and you were feeling extremely under the weather and had to go to the hospital as a result. No decent boyfriend would do this. You're definitely not the jerk in this scenario. My advice to you is you need an upgrade. Your significant other is supposed to be supportive of you, not this. This is just degrading. He seems to thoroughly be enjoying your embarrassment. That's just not acceptable. My friend's husband cheated, lied, and left her for another woman, so I ruined his life. This happened about four years ago, but I recently found out how part of my revenge panned out which is what prompted me to post this. I've never shared this with anyone before. My mom has been best friends with Eileen since they were both kids, and Eileen has kind of been like an aunt to me. About five years ago, Eileen's husband of more than 25 years surprised her by asking for a divorce. Eileen lived about six hours away from my mom at the time, and I lived out of state. So I didn't find out how everything went down until a few months after their divorce was finalized. Unfortunately, Eileen's life kind of spiraled out of control after the separation slash divorce. She developed depression and a drinking problem. But my mom and some other childhood friends were able to convince her to move back to her hometown and then they convinced her to go to rehab. I moved back home shortly before Eileen went to rehab, and because my school-slash-work schedule was pretty flexible, I was able to house it and take care of some stuff while she was in rehab. The first time I visited her in rehab, I got the whole divorce story, and it was bad. Eileen's ex, Jeff hadn't talked to Eileen about any problems prior to asking for the divorce, so she just assumed he fell out of love with her. But I was immediately skeptical about the things Eileen told me. First, Jeff was an executive at a pharmaceutical company earning mid-six figures, was fired from his job a year before they split up, and decided to take a break before looking for another job. It was weird to me that Jeff decided to take a break from work, because he'd always been such a workaholic. Eileen hasn't worked in years because of a disability, but she has some property in a trust her parents left her that's let her live a comfortable life without working. Jeff and Eileen lived off money from the trust while he was unemployed. Then, after Jeff said he wanted a divorce, he refused to go to couples therapy or talk about why he wanted the divorce. The only thing he would say was that they had grown apart and that he was sick of being with a woman like Eileen. He said Eileen's mother was right about her. Eileen's mother was a classic narcissist. She bullied Eileen horribly about her attractiveness, weight, intelligence, everything, which caused a lot of psychological problems that Jeff knows about. Finally, right after the divorce was finalized, Jeff moved out of state, but to a state he didn't have any family or connections in. Jeff's parents are still alive and in their 80s or 90s, and Jeff is pretty close to them. So it didn't make any sense to me why Jeff wouldn't move to be closer to them if he wanted to move after the divorce. I didn't say anything to Eileen because I didn't want to upset her, but I thought Jeff might be having an affair, had orchestrated his unemployment to avoid paying alimony, and then moved out of state to be with his mistress. I just didn't have a way to confirm it at the time. Then Eileen asked me to look for a box of Jeff's stuff he'd asked her to hold for him until he moved into his new apartment. She told me all the info on the box, contents, and his new address was in an email he sent her. She gave me the password to her computer so I could access the email. This is where I lucked out. It turns out Jeff had used her computer to set up his email on the computer. I accidentally clicked on the app for his email while I was searching for Eileen's email. I decided to take a peek at his email. The first thing I noticed was that he had mostly stopped using that email address three years before, which was about one year before he was fired. In a folder for digital receipts, I found a confirmation email for a dating site, which I think he saved there accidentally. I also found a verification email for a new email address. I started to put together a speculative timeline of what happened. I guessed that about three years before, Jeff started an affair and shortly after, he decided to get a new email address to help keep the affair secret. I wanted to access his dating profile to get more information. So I tried to use the forgot password feature to see if I could generate an email that would allow me to reset the password and log in that way. Unfortunately, the dating site didn't recognize Jeff's old email address. I thought I might be able to get into Jeff's new email using his old email to reset the password. And then, maybe, I could use the new email to get into the dating website. But I didn't want to risk locking Jeff out of his new email and alerting him until I knew more about what he'd done. And here's where I totally lucked out. The email app Jeff downloaded to Eileen's MacBook had a note feature. And super genius Jeff saved some passwords on notes. Most of the passwords weren't helpful, but I did get the password to the dating site and his Twitter and Netflix accounts. I logged into the dating site using his new email address and the password. I was able to read messages Jeff sent to another woman before he broke up with Eileen. The new mistress sent Jeff her email address in one of the messages. I searched Facebook for the mistress's email address and found her profile. I couldn't read the mistress's posts, but she left her photos public. She had recent photos of her and Jeff, so I knew they were still together. She also posted a photo of a construction crew breaking ground on a new home for her and Jeff. Which was interesting because I got the impression from Eileen that Jeff didn't have a lot of money after the divorce. Here's where my background is important. At the time, I was attending law school. I moved back to my hometown for one semester for a legal residency, and I had access to Lexis's database, specifically their public records database. I had spent a good portion of one of my summer internships tracking down property records and other assets to help recover judgments for clients, so I knew how to search for public records. The mistress had purchased several acres in a wealthy suburb several months before Jeff filed for divorce and there was no mortgage listed on the record. I already found the mistress's LinkedIn page, so I knew she worked as an executive assistant before she moved out of state with Jeff. She didn't advertise her salary, but I doubted she could have afforded the property with her salary alone. It's possible she had money outside her salary, but I suspected Jeff gave her money to purchase the land before he filed for divorce. I also found an updated record on Lexus showing Jeff and the mistress as joint owners of the property. I called the county record office to confirm ownership of the property, dates, etc., the mistress had filed a quit claim just five weeks after Jeff's divorce was finalized. I was still hesitant to try and log into Jeff's new email, so I decided to check his old email again to see if there was anything else I should investigate before moving to the new email. I didn't find anything but I noticed that several passwords in his notes were the same. I decided to log into his new email using the same password he used for the dating site. I figured the two accounts were created around the same time. So if he had recycled a password, that was the most likely candidate. It worked. His new email was a gold mine. Because this story is already getting ridiculously long, I'll list some of the relevant stuff I found. Jeff hadn't been fired from his old job. He quit and lied to Eileen. I found an email from his admin asking where to have payroll send his last check, and details about a goodbye party for him. Some emails between Jeff and a boat repair person mentioning a leak somewhere on one side of the sailboat near the engine compartment. The repair guy couldn't find the source of the leak, but talked about current and future problems with mold and the engine on that side. Emails between Jeff and a boat broker, which included the email address of buyers farther down in the string. An emailed report from the boat inspector, which didn't include the leak or any mold damage or potential damage to the engine. Emails between Jeff and his contractor about changes made to the new house's sunroom something about a three-season sunroom versus a four-season sunroom, and the construction needing to be modified to deal with the weight of snow, emails between Jeff and the mistress, they had married, the mistress and Jeff's shared calendar, some flirty emails between Jeff and another woman, and emails with info on Jeff's new employer. I downloaded all the important emails and their attachments, and started thinking about a revenge plan. To my mind, everything was fair game. He lied about being fired, So I wanted him fired from his new job. I suspected he hid money before his separation from Eileen to help pay for his new house. So I wanted him to lose the house. He cheated. So I wanted to destroy his new relationship. Anything I could do about the boat was also a bonus. The easiest place to start was the boat. I had no idea if the source of the leak was found and repaired or if the leak was verbally disclosed to the buyer. But I figured that Jeff was a lying jerk so odds were fair he hid the info from the new buyer. I searched Jeff's county's court website five to six months later and found out the buyers filed a suit against Jeff and the broker and inspector. Ha! I couldn't figure out how to take or destroy Jeff's house, so I settled for contacting the county inspector's office to complain about the sunroom not being up to code. This is actually what prompted me to write this post, because I just found out some of the details about what happened with the county inspectors. Keep in mind, I heard about this from a third party years after the fact so I don't know all the details. It turns out the sunroom was code compliant, but the inspector did find a workshop slash workroom attached to the detached garage that wasn't on the original permit or plans. The workshop had a bathroom that the contractor attached to the property's septic system after the initial inspection. A mutual friend of Eileen and Jeff told Eileen and me, and he guessed this was a big deal because the size of the septic system they installed wasn't sized to handle the additional input but I don't know for sure. Jeff had to pay a fine, and the workshop had to be removed. This ended up causing construction delays, which will be important later. As for destroying Jeff's marriage, my first impulse was to send the new wife the flirty emails between Jeff and the other woman. But when I searched for that woman on social media, I couldn't find anything. I had no way of knowing if the new wife knew the other woman, and would think that the emails weren't important or evidence of an affair. Then I played around with the idea of updating Jeff's dating profile and sending stuff to his wife. But it would take too long to manufacture a fake relationship with real dates and times, and I was worried that Jeff might get an email email alert from the dating site that would clue him in. I ended up just risking that the new wife wouldn't know the other woman. I pretended to be someone concerned about an affair between Jeff and the new woman. Overall, I kept the accusation vague, but I did say Jeff and the new girl went out to eat and to the movies on a few dates Jeff's shared calendar said the new wife was out of town. I couldn't come up with a way to get Jeff fired. I rechecked his email and calendar over several weeks, looking for something I could use to get him fired. Eventually, my legal residency got too busy to devote much time to revenge, so I decided Decided to just let it go. Eileen recently reconnected with a friend she shared with Jeff, and that friend gave Eileen an update on Jeff. Eileen shared the details with me and that's what reminded me of what I did and prompted this story. It turned out that I didn't need to worry about sabotaging Jeff's career. By luck, the woman Jeff had been emailing was actually his assistant at his new job, and Jeff's new boss was his brother-in-law. Jeff and his new wife actually moved to her hometown so she could be close to her family, and so Jeff could go to work for his new brother-in-law. I have no idea if Jeff was actually cheating. He told the mutual friend that passed this story on to Eileen that they hadn't been having an affair. It didn't matter to new wife, though. Because she and Jeff got together when Jeff was already married, she didn't have a lot of trust for Jeff. She didn't believe Jeff's denials when I sent the email about him having an affair. She filed for divorce, and Jeff's brother-in-law boss fired him and since the construction was delayed, the new house wasn't finished when Jeff and new wife divorced. They had to sell an unfinished home, and Jeff took a big financial hit. Finally, these weren't part of my larger revenge plan, but I am pretty petty. So I took the box of Jeff's stuff, mostly photographs, and threw them away. I told Eileen they must have been lost in the move. I signed both of Jeff's email addresses up for a bunch of spam, newsletters, and mailing lists. I also deleted his Netflix watch list. I also posted retweeted and liked a bunch of adult content on his twitter account and deleted all the accounts he was following i never told eileen what i did because i wanted her to have plausible deniability and i didn't want to interfere with her recovery she doesn't know about the boat lawsuit or the netflix and twitter stuff but she did take satisfaction from his divorce and job loss i probably would have let it all go if jeff had just cheated because i always really liked jeff I always thought he was nice, but I was obviously wrong about him. Nice people don't weaponize childhood abuse to mentally torture their wives. As far as I'm concerned, that jerk deserved everything I did to him. I gotta say, this is probably the most thorough level of snooping and revenge that we've seen so far. Our poster was willing to go to any length to make sure that this guy got what was coming to him. To play devil's advocate, though, we don't know what was going on behind closed doors. But if he really wasn't happy in that relationship, this wasn't the way to go about it. It really does sound like he was just trying to sneak away without any consequences. Well, it looks like things caught up to him. He probably thought he was about to start his great new life, and it all came crashing down around him. I do feel like this was a massive invasion of privacy, though, and if this ever got out, our original poster could probably get into some trouble for what they did. Was it justified, though? I'll leave that for you guys to decide. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot linked in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.